Morning, church. It's with great anticipation uh, we come to God's Word this morning because what we are going to be preaching on is something wonderful. It is the fulfillment of a great work of Jesus, and it is this relationship that we get to have through the blood and body of Christ, and it is this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you might be asking, what a strange jump to go from the Gospel of Mark to Song of Songs to preaching on the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the church and world. Well, I want to remind you that uh, this is merely a continuation of our journey over almost two years now. We started it off with the Gospel of Mark where we wanted to get to know this person, Jesus. What was he like? What did he sound like? How did he treat people? What was he like as a man? Because, friends, the gospel, in a nutshell, is the person of Christ. If you want to know how to find eternal life this morning, and you want to know why you were born and the purpose of why you breathe, it is this person, Jesus. But we said the danger is, after all those weeks in Mark, that it is possible to study somebody and not know them personally. I had an experience earlier this year of reading a great book on Winston Churchill. And here this man had poured out some of his most remarkable research on this man, Winston Churchill. But he never met him. He never knew him personally. He was writing about a man that he had never met. And friends, can I just remind you today, fellow believers, it is possible to study the life of Jesus and never know him personally. And that's why we came to Song of Songs. We talked about being created for closeness. Friends, the greatest relationship in your life is Jesus. And we are called to come very close to him because of his assurance of his love for us. And the outworking of Song of Songs was boldness. To not know about Jesus, but to know him personally, I would say, according to the Spirit, face to face. But do you notice what I said in that last line is we are needing help to know this Jesus because he physically is in heaven. His body is not here on planet earth. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And there are times when he breaks out of that mold. That's why Paul is the 13th apostle because he literally came and revealed himself. He he came once more down from heaven to earth. And revealed himself to Paul. But the normal way, straight after Paul's encounter on the Damascus Road, was for Ananias to come and say, Paul, receive the Spirit. Come and experience how you are going to fellowship with Jesus day by day. And it is through this indwelling Spirit of God. And friends, what we are going to focus on today is the Holy Spirit as helper. I want to remind you, this has been on my heart for us this morning that you cannot, you cannot know Jesus by mere human reason. You cannot understand your Bible, any spiritual truth, by mere human reason. You cannot hear the voice of God by mere human reason. Everything in your life that has to flow with the kingdom and everything that you need to get to know this Jesus Christ is entirely 
by the help of the Holy Spirit. And I want to caution us from having an intellectual confidence where we think by mere human reason and by mere human effort, what we call the flesh, that somehow we will be able to fully complete this good work that God has started in us. My friends, this morning, the right response to understanding our need for the Holy Spirit as helper is without His work in our lives, we have got no capacity to love and follow Jesus. And so the way we are going to move forward is taking the next outworking of the Song of Songs is we are having fellowship we are having closeness. We are learning to please and love Jesus through this help of the Spirit that we experience in our hearts. And we also felt that it was appropriate now as an eldership to preach on the Spirit because this has been an area where COVID has cost us. Some things about COVID has helped us clarify and, and, and uh, get better at, like such as prayer. We didn't pray before COVID. Praise God, after COVID, we pray a lot more as a church. But what happens is when you have the body being restricted. No one can touch each other or lay, each other, lay hands on each other to pray. No one might draw near to another. They have to sit, uh, you know, far away from each other. Everything is so hyper-controlled. What that does is it creates a sense of distance and particularly a freedom for God to come and enjoy leadership upon His people by the Spirit. And we want to um, recover some ground around allowing the body to minister to each other, allowing body ministry, and allowing ourselves to grow in the leadership of the Spirit in our services and being open to what God wants to do in this place and in our individual lives. And so we feel it's important for the next number of weeks to zone into what Scripture gives us as Christians to live by the Spirit and as a church to enjoy this leadership of Christ through the Spirit. And, our, and we recognize that we've changed a lot as a church post-COVID. Some of us have joined during COVID. Uh, some of us uh, have joined post-COVID. And um, we recognize that as a church, many of us have different experiences and backgrounds around who this Holy Spirit is and what our expectation of His work in our lives is. And uh, we want to help those that might be feeling a little bit cautious around what do we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit in our church because of perhaps past experiences or teaching and we also, on the one hand, on the other hand, we want to help those that are maybe have seen a greater experience of the Spirit and wondering, well, where do we stand as a church? And then for the majority of us, this kind of open middle of going, well, we are open to learning whatever we can about the Spirit. We want to kind of help us as a church find the slipstream of, of Scripture and enjoy the fullness of what Christ promises us as believers. And so we feel it's appropriate at this time to preach on this great Holy Spirit. And it's also not just for the reasons given above, but because Jesus commands us teaching on the Holy Spirit. Don't you think it's interesting when he talks about making disciples in Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And you know what was on Jesus' mind, church, before he was going to go to the cross? If you read John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, these wonderful discourses where Christ is choosing what he wants to talk to his disciples about before he goes to die, they are full of the Holy Spirit. And so we are to preach according to the commands of Christ on the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
But can I just say to you this morning, there is something even more wonderful in preaching on the Holy Spirit today. He is the supreme gift to you. What Christ purchased on the cross was not merely the ransom of your sin. It was that he might come very close to you through the Spirit. And can I just ask you this morning, can there be anything more wonderful in your life than having God dwelling in you? I, I mean, just let's take a moment. I mean, who have you been to maybe a, a holiday to Mauritius lately? Beautiful, right? Maybe one or two of you in the church. Maybe you sat in your new car and you can smell the fresh leather. Mm. Maybe you got that, that increase in your paycheck. Let me tell you, all of that stuff is nothing in comparison to the reality of God choosing to dwell in you by the Holy Spirit. And when you start to realize that in your life, and you look at your work, you look at your friends, you look at your day, and you realize you have this recourse, this relationship, this resource of God himself making you his temple, you start to go, wow, this is incredible. And friends, this is where our help comes from, from heaven to live for Jesus, and this is where our help comes from to experience Jesus. It is through the Spirit. And I, I want to, the, the purpose of this sermon is quite simple this morning. But where we want to land is the deep sense of honor, the honor of having God dwell in us by His Spirit, but also humility. It's we have to recognize without God's help of the Spirit, we can't do anything for Jesus. I don't know if you believe that yet this morning, but I hope by the end of it, you will see your need for Christ dwelling in you by the Spirit. So let's make a start. I have got two simple points this morning. How do we start realizing this magnitude of the new covenant which gives us the Spirit by the blood of Christ dwelling in us? Remember, if every believer, when they come to faith, has been helped by the Spirit and has the Spirit already dwelling in their lives. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you are not a child of God. Scripture is very clear on that. So if you are a believer this morning, you have the Spirit. So how do you start relating to the Spirit? And the first point is this, is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Wow, Matt, that sounds incredible. <laughs> but friends, this is something we forget. The Holy Spirit has a personality. He is not an it. He is not a thing. And the profoundness of him being a person this morning, that means that you can know him. Like me, Marina will know that I've got certain habits and ways about me that are iconic to Matt Johnson. There are certain things about the Holy Spirit that are iconic to him. He has habits. He has ways. He has a personality that unless we come to know in our lives, we will miss. And the importance of knowing him as a person is because, friends, he is not like Star Wars, okay? <laughs> My best picture of, of how the Holy Spirit can be portrayed to us is the force. Any of you know the force? And you get the light side and you get the dark side. And based on your skill on manipulating the force, the recipes, the incantations, the source of 
what do they call those little, they could take a blood test and have the little cells. Come on, Star Wars buffs, what are they called? Am I the only one? Let's say they've got a name. And the molecules that they've got. Uh, anyway, some of us can feel like that. Oh, the elders, they have more molecules of the Holy Spirit than me. Oh, the worship leader, they have more molecules of the Holy Spirit than me. Friends, we have this weird way of thinking about the Holy Spirit as this sort of force field of power. And the most skillful who are able to sort of manipulate and learn the arts and the techniques and the ability of manipulating it according to their will, they're the ones that get to see the power and the glory and the manifestations of these weird miraculous events. Friends, that's total rubbish. Let me tell you, the person who truly flows with the Spirit recognizes he is a person and reveres him all the more. I just want you to let, let you into my space this morning on preaching on God. And we are at risk of replacing this member of the Godhead with a mere force field that bows to our whim and our caprice. It's wicked. It's blasphemy. And friends, can I just say, I know many of you have a lot of questions every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, but can I just make it very clear this morning, we are not talking about entertainment. I long to see the full manifestation of God's grace purchased on the cross for you and me here. But let me tell you, I am not willing to reduce that to a mere feeling. I'm not willing to reduce that to a mere experience. What I, I, I want us as a church to walk in this morning is a fresh awareness that we are walking with God. And uh, friends, this wonderful member of the Godhead, he has a personality because he has a mind. Part, I'm very sorry, Luke Skywalker, but this force field is not something that just balances it out and has a sort of uh, subservient manipulation to those that have the best skill. Friends, this Holy Spirit has his own mind. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11, it says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The reason why the Holy Spirit is such a brilliant teacher is he's got a brilliant mind. He is able to know exactly how far he needs to unpack what the Father wants to teach the church. He knows where to keep mystery a mystery. He knows where to bring revelation, revelation. The reason why he is brilliant at leading you into truth and reminding you of it and to make this work of the kingdom move forward in this world is because he has a brilliant mind. And he has emotions, church. This is something I'm so aware of. Do you know? He can be pleased or he can be grieved. You know, when he is at his best and happiest in this morning, when we are worshiping Jesus, he loves it. He spurs on the church. He, he feels for the church. In Romans chapter 15, verse 30, he said, Paul could say, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. The reason why when the Spirit comes down, you feel such a love for the person next to you is because you are starting to catch the heart of what the Spirit feels for the church. It's love. He can be grieved. You know it very well in Ephesians 4 verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
if we don't get to learn his ways, he can withdraw. He doesn't withdraw out of covenant, but he withdraws out of closeness. And what that means when the Spirit is not easily sensed is you are cut off at the knees to live for Christ. He can be grieved. He can be vexed. Isaiah 63 verse 10, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. And friends, what we'll learn over the weeks ahead is that this spirit's emotions, his personality, it's very sensitive. What was the picture of the creature that came down upon Jesus that represented the Holy Spirit? He was called the? Let's go a bit louder. He was called the? The dove. Now, there's a lot to that. He's gentle. Isn't that surprising? He's easily disturbed. He's peaceful. His eyes, like a dove, are beautiful. They, when you look at him, you see beauty. But he is easily disturbed by things that are not of God. And he has a will. So he has a mind, he has a wish, emotions, he has a will. This is why the Spirit is at work in the church, arranging the body. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Do you know that in this body right now, the Spirit has decided what you need to play your part in it? Now just think about that for a moment. God, through his Spirit, has decided exactly what you need to have. The giftings, the capacity, the ability to play out your role here at this church. And it's part of the Spirit's role of getting things done in the kingdom. You have the Father who plans. You have the Son who's the mediator through whom the Father works. But then you have the Spirit who's the executor, and He makes things happen. And can I just nudge you this morning? If you do not see your participation in the church as significant, you are grieving the Spirit. Because He's given you, according to His eternal wisdom, something to contribute to this body that is a blessing, a blessing not only to you, but to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And not only does he have a will in how he apportions the gifts in the body, he even flows with the sovereignty of apportioning salvation. He flows with the Father in sovereignly deciding who becomes a born-again child of God. In John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Any of you still praying for family members 30 years later, and you pray for them, and they are still not saved, and you've witnessed to them, you've tried your best to bring them into the kingdom, nothing happens. And then one day you happen to be at church, and someone asks you for some help, this has happened to me, and you just share the gospel once or for the first time, and they get saved. And you go, what's the difference? I didn't pray for you. No one that I know was praying for you here. And in this one moment, somehow you get Christ, but the family member I've been praying for for decades is so far from him, it feels hard to keep on praying. Anyone, anyone know that, that, what that's like? Friends, do you know today no one can even own their salvation as being in and of themselves because it was God's gracious mercy in bringing the Spirit into your life to open up your eyes to see the glory of Christ and believe. That's why it's called the covenant of grace. 
is because the Spirit touched your life and made your life to Jesus. And next week, Greg Heasley from one of our advanced churches in uh, Covenant Grace in, in P. He's going to preach on the work of the Spirit in salvation. But friends, this Spirit, He has a mind. He has emotions. He has a will. And I want to ask you, does that change the way you see Him in your life? And He does things that a person does. He speaks. Do you know that the Spirit speaks? I need to remind you of this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. What does Jesus say? He says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Is that the Spirit speaks to the church. He spoke this morning through the scripture that Mark read, through the picture and the word, through the songs. He is ministering here this morning. It is His voice personally, not merely us uh, hearing or be needing help to hear the voice of the Lord through this, but He Himself speaks. He prays in Romans 8 verse 26. Imagine that. Uh, this is something wonderful. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Do you know, it's not just Jesus who prays for you. It is the Spirit. And that is why we believe you cannot lose your salvation. Because do you think that the prayers of Jesus and the Spirit will ever not be answered? And Jesus and the Spirit are one with the Father, and the Father's will is none will snatch you from Christ's hands. And the Spirit prays. He prays for you. It's not that He helps you pray only. It's that He prays for you Himself and is with groanings. His love for you. His servant serving you. It is remarkable. It is mysterious. And it keeps you from falling. He teaches. In John 14, 26, He says, But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, not some things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Friends, the work of the Spirit in the church, in the life of a human being, is revelation. And that is why no one, if you see something about Jesus that is true, can own it as coming from yourself. Your progress in how far you are going in the kingdom is by the grace of God, showing you by the Spirit what you cannot determine by your mere intellect alone. And not only does he give you revelation, he brings you, he directs, in other words, your understanding. He actively not only tells you what this means, he helps you to know how to obey it, how to apply it. That's what teaching does. And so friends, can I just say, that is why we pray, and I hope you do this morning too, we pray every time we're about to open up God's word, we pray for God's spirit to come and help us understand the message. If I don't have help, you don't have help. <laughs> and if you don't have help, I can't go where only the Spirit can. And can I just again press into what I feel God wanting to say to you and me this morning, is what is the attitude in which you come here on a Sunday? Is it to merely pass the time to acknowledge what you already know? Or to go, oh, when, when I hear something new, that's interesting. Or to go, God, unless you help me by your spirit this morning, driving here is a great way. When you get up in the morning, the person that you think about is the one bringing the word. And as the church gathers, not only for us locally, but over, across the city, is you pray. You pray, Lord, would the lights of your spirit come down upon us 
upon the word because if it's not there, friends, we've got no ability to grow. Nothing. And, and this ability of him to illuminate the gospel is essential for salvation. No one's going to get saved in this place unless the Spirit reveals Christ to them. And this is where I'm going to land before I go to my second and final point, is, is he testifies. This Spirit testifies. In John 15, verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send you, this is Jesus speaking from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The only reason why you know Jesus is real is because the Spirit confirms He's real in your heart. Do you know that? The only reason how you know that this is truth is that when the Spirit shines into your heart and you hear the truth, you have it confirmed. You're going, this is right. This is real. And that's why sometimes it's difficult when you're having an apologetics discussion or debate with somebody who's not a believer. Ultimately, it'll come down to them saying, how do you know God is real? How do you know Jesus is alive? Well, I know. He's real. I know it in my heart. I've been able to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and to believe in my heart that he's risen from the dead. Friends, that comes by the Spirit. We're not ashamed of it. We recognize that human uh, argument and intellect that can go so far. But ultimately, let's be real. The reason why we come here and we worship this living Savior is because we know he's alive by the Spirit in our hearts. And can I just say to you this morning, if that is not real for you, you're not yet born again. This is not something that we do by duty or by mere uh, intellectual assent. Do you know how you're saved? Is first you're clear about the gospel, but even more importantly, secondly, is that as you are singing these songs of worship and you're hearing the word, you know this is about a Jesus that is living in your heart. You know this is for you. He's alive. He's alive. So the first of all, he has a personality. He, he is a person. He does these things in our lives. And the reason why I want to emphasize that in going into these next weeks is because he can be related to. I ask you do, you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you this morning? Can you say, I have a relationship with Jesus? I want to take it one step further. Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you alert and alive to this helper? Because... He is a person to be related to. We have to relate to him in a certain way where we're going to land on today. But he's there. He is not merely a presence in your life. He is a person. And I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with him? But it's a unique kind of relationship because my second point is that the Holy Spirit is divine. And I want us to come with great reverence in our hearts to his person. You know, sometimes, can I just be very honest here. I think that the debate about the Holy Spirit in the church would be very different if we remembered He's God. We tend to argue and fight over technical terms and experiences and things which, which almost come down to a carnal level. But if we can remember, we're speaking in the presence of this person of the Godhead. And his work in the church is not merely for, for our carnal entertainment, but for the glory of God. I think we would talk very differently about the Holy Spirit and approach him very differently in our lives. And that's what we're going to land on today, is that he's divine. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And can I, I just take that thing a step further of, of sensing this person in your life and having a relationship with him 
But it's not just any old person. Is you are relating to God. And that is something profound because it affects the way we respond to Him. You remember in Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. What did Peter say? He said, what, what has filled your hearts to, to lie to the Holy Spirit? At the end of it, he says, you have not lied to man, but to God. So in other words, when we hear the promptings of the Spirit, please listen to me now. There's lots of movement at the back, but I want you to look at me. When you hear the promptings of the Spirit, it's not just any old voice. It's God. When you hear His nudging, it's God. When you experience His closeness, it's God. When you hear His voice, it is the very divine voice in your life speaking to you. And that must affect the way you respond to Him. The way you view the Spirit will affect the way you respond to His authority in your life. And the higher your view of the Spirit, the more ready you will be to obey Him. Are you with me this morning? very important. If you've got a low view of the Spirit, you will have a very low view of His authority. And if you have a low view of His authority, well, obedience will be merely optional. Friends, this Spirit, He is all-powerful. Job tells us in chapter 33, verse 4, it was through the Spirit that the whole world was made, the breath of God. If God had to inhale His Spirit, we would all collapse, Job says. He regenerates. He has the power to make a new creation, and you're a living proof of it as a Christian. He has come upon you, and the old has died and gone, and a new person has been created through the power of the Spirit. He inspires infallible Scripture. This Word of God is not separate to the Spirit. It is a work of the Spirit. It has been spat out by the breath of the Spirit. He raises the dead. Romans 8 verse 11 says, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. This Holy Spirit, He's not only God, He is all-powerful. He is all-able to do the will of the Father. And He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The Spirit knows the will of the Father, and that's why He's so good at being the executor of the Godhead. He is moving all things perfectly forward because of His perfect knowledge. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't escape, praise God, the Spirit. Psalms 139 verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your Spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? And that has two implications. It has a comfort and a call. We have the comfort of knowing the nearness of God, but we are also to know then the obedience to that nearness of His presence in our lives. And uh, friends, He's the member of the Trinity. I can't explain it to you this morning, but God is three persons in one. Three persons of the same stuff, homo usios. That's the best the early church could get to this mystery. And, and you see it in Scripture. Don't you think in Matthew 28, verse 19, it's beautiful. The command of Christ is to baptize them in the name, not names, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This one name, God, made up in these three personalities and persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, equally divine, equally eternal, equally of, um, powerful. They, they are, it is beautiful. But this is the point. 
is they are different. And where I want us to land today is the way that the Trinity presents itself to us informs us of the way we are to worship God in three persons. Don't you often think to yourself that the Father and the Son gets more glory in Scripture than the Spirit? <laughs> Anybody ever wondered that before? Don't you think it's interesting you'll never hear me pray directly to the Spirit? What is that? Why is it that the Father and the Son seem to take center stage and the Spirit seems to be in the background? In actual fact, this, it almost feels binitarian. Father and Son, and then the Spirit is somewhere lucky if you find Him. Well, the Spirit, very importantly, according to His personality, is self-effacing. Have you ever heard that English word before? Self-effacing. My wife is brilliant at that. Uh, you try and make much of her, she slips away from the front. She does not want to have any credits for anything that she does. She loves it when that goes to somebody else. And friends, that is how the Holy Spirit operates in you, in the church, and in the world. And this is where... I want us to begin having a relationship with the Holy Spirit or a heightened relation with the Holy Spirit is when you start to put the Holy Spirit in front of you, He disappears. When a church starts to be all about the Holy Spirit, praying to the Holy Spirit, being obsessed about the work of the Holy Spirit, when everything is focused on Him, you will see Him leave the room. You will see the church become somewhat cultish and weird. You will see him suddenly where there was once power and there was once a great authority and a great authentic work. You'll see him go out the back door because if there's one thing that grieves the Holy Spirit is if he's put at the forefront of worship. Jesus said this. He said, in your life and in the world, he said in John 16, verse 13 to 14, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That is the profound mandate of the spirit. And so let me tell you how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit starting today is that he will not be in front of you, he will be next to you. He is called the parakletos, which means the one who comes alongside, not the one who's at the forefront of your sight and mind. And that is how you relate to him. As you love Jesus, as you listen to the Father, as you read your Bible, as you are praying, as you're going through your workday, as you are listening right now, the Holy Spirit is not in front of you. He's next to you. And you experience His influence helping you engage with loving and following Christ who's there. But you're fixing your eyes on He's in front of you. And this is the influence that you are learning to yield to in your life. As you are walking through the day, or maybe you're going to say something and there's this conviction that comes, you realize you're getting on with the life in front of you. You're getting on with your desire for Jesus. You're focusing your eyes on this glorious King of kings and Lord of lords. That's your model. That's the one you should be conformed to. All that he is is all that you are to become in your behavior. You're ready then your position. But the way that this is working out in your life is you experience this, this one who comes alongside, this helper, 
whispering to you, nudging you, giving you a closeness to the Father, a closeness to the Son. He's helping you every single step of the way. And you're aware that this God is working in you. You're aware that this God is speaking to you. You're aware that you're seeing things you wouldn't see by nature. Suddenly people are being put on your heart. All through your everyday life, as you are living for Jesus, you are experiencing this help. It's powerful. It's wonderful. But it's not to be worshipped or obsessed over as the thing. You don't turn and go, oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what you go is, Spirit, help me find Christ. Spirit, help me listen right now. How do I love this person like Jesus would? And when you ask to be close to Jesus, what you're really saying, come, Spirit, alongside me and bring him near. And that's what we have to learn, to walk by the Spirit, not to worship the Spirit. And you say, well, if I worship the Holy Spirit, would it be wrong? I say, no. But if you worship him alone, you're in trouble. And friends, we are not going to become a cult here, a Unitarian church, which is SBC, the Church of the Holy Spirit. No, it grieves me. We are SBC, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a relationship here next to you in your life that you and I need to learn to walk with if we are going to grow in what it means to love and follow Jesus. You know the joy of me preaching to you this morning and sending you out there is that you are not alone. It's wonderful that the Spirit promises to be your helper. But the way that you're going to grow in your awareness of His work and His help is one is He is a person. He's a person. When you picture Him, you picture Him with a personality. Is you are relating, yielding to lovingly responding to his presence in your life. And I want to leave you with a quote which Michael Eaton, I read, uh, which was struck. He says, if I were to say to you, you can have a Christian faith without God, you would laugh at me, right? If I were to say to you, you can have a, a Christian faith without Jesus, you would laugh at me. Yet so many people seem to think you can have a Christian faith without the Holy Spirit. They talk about God and Jesus, but they don't seem to feel any need of the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as you cannot be a Christian without the Father and the Son, you cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. But this is the, the point that we made as well. He's not just a person, he's divine. And friends, we are to worship and revere him. And, and I give you another quote from R.A. Torrey this morning. He said this, if we think of the Holy Spirit as so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person, our thought will instead be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? And that's the right response. That's the response that we want to be as a church. It's not the obsession with how much of the Holy Spirit we can get so that somehow we might have a reputation for weird and wonderful things. No, friends, we want to be known as a church that is learning to yield fully to the will of the Spirit in our lives. As we become like Christ, yielding to this influence and gracious presence that's helping us love and follow Jesus. That's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be yielding to Him as God. And so I'm going to ask us to stand this morning I'm going to close in prayer. If you're like me, 
I want to help you respond to this word in two ways. One is, if you are wanting to grow in being able to relate to this person of the Holy Spirit, I want to pray for you this morning. But secondly, would you stand with me as a follower of Christ and would you say this to the Spirit? Lord, would you have more of me? Here I am. The right response to the divine work of the Spirit in our lives as we follow Christ is to yield to Him. And so, Lord Jesus, as a church this morning, we come to you and we are grateful we are not alone, that we have the helper, the one who stands in the midst of us here to lead us to Christ and to give us more of Him and to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. Lord, we pray for everyone here who knows that they need a greater help, a greater, a deeper, tighter relationship with the Spirit, this one who comes alongside us. Lord, would you increase the sensitivity to the Spirit in this place? Lord, would you increase in our prayer life and scripture reading and fellowship and everyday activity, our awareness and keenness and our dependency and obedience to the promptings and help of the Spirit? Would today's prayer lead to a greater dependency and the work of the Spirit in our lives. And we want to say to you as a church, Lord Jesus, set us apart for your work and for your glory. Let your Spirit come in a deeper, fuller, richer way, as you promised, Jesus. We are to walk by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit every day. I pray as a congregation today, would you grant us a deeper and heightened work of the Spirit in our lives, that we might live for Christ. Lord, that we might be transformed into the fullness of this new covenant that you have graced us with through your body and blood. May no one at the end of these next couple of weeks be the same, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. If you want to uh, chat after the service or receive prayer for anything, won't you do that? But otherwise, we'll see you next week and looking forward to it.